and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Welcome back to the Dreamcast. In today's episode, I'm interviewing someone who has mentored me from afar, and I am so stinking excited. That just means basically she didn't know she was mentoring me, but I've been following her and learning from her, and I'm so excited to have her on the program today. She's the president of the Canfield Training Group. Not only did she oversee the publishing industry's first billion-dollar brand in Chicken Soup for the Soul, but she's created a multi-million-dollar training company surrounding the success principles with Jack Canfield. From Jack's early age as an emerging self-esteem expert to becoming a world-renowned public figure and America's number one success coach, our guest has been with him every single step of the way, and in a lot of cases, his guiding force, overseeing every detail and every deal and watching literally millions of people access the training that Jack has to offer. Since the heyday of Chicken Soup for the Soul, she has reinvented herself time and time again and is now dedicated to bringing all of her experience and wisdom to women entrepreneurs, sales professionals, corporate employees through live events, retreats, women's summits, and speaking engagements that teach audiences the principles of success and strategic career planning. Without further ado... Please welcome Patty Aubrey to the Dreamcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I am so eager for our listeners to learn from you because I know you have built several companies. You've been the president, the advisor. You are like everybody's go-to person for wanting to build a brand. And I would love for you to just share a little bit about how you got started. From the very beginning? (laughs) Okay, I'll, I'll start from the beginning how did I get started? Well, I was always kind of in the world of business from the time I was very small and worked for nature made vitamins, believe it or not. As a child, really, I was 13 until I was through college. I worked for my dad. And so he really taught me how to, he he sent me to the operations people. So I worked for the VP of operations who was pretty intense, but I'm glad I did because he taught me a work ethic that I'd never been around. And then I stumbled onto an ad in the paper when I was 24 that said secretary wanted 25,000 a year. So I, and I was in the middle of a divorce. So I was, I was 24. I had no passion, no purpose, and didn't even know what a goal was of any kind. And thought, well, I'm going to move back to LA. I'm going to move in with my parents and I'm going to look for a job. And so I did. And I answered this ad. I went down and had an interview with this couple who were clearly sort of what we would call new age back then. And that was about 30 years ago. And it was so interesting. Anyway, I didn't get the job. And I left that night. I went out and was with my friends and we were talking and they said, so what, how was your interview? I said, oh, I don't know how it went. It was kind of a weird thing. I don't know what these people really do. It's something about self-esteem and I didn't really get it. This guy's name is Jack Canfield. And they all went, oh my gosh, he's really, we've heard he's a really cool guy, but he's in the world of education. And I'm thinking, I thought, I thought it's kind of hippie-ish, kind of strange. Anyway, he called me and said, this isn't going to work. We're going we're gonna to go with somebody that has a little bit more experience, basically saying you're not old enough to do this job. And um, being the, the great guy he is, he didn't know a whole lot about human resources at the time. So I didn't, I didn't get the job, went on and kind of 
found some other things to do during that time. And then he called three months later and said, I think we were meant to work together. I don't know what it is, but you just keep kind of showing up for me. So I said, great. So I took the job. I made him pay me more than 25,000. Just said stuff, kind of go through the suffering part. I said, since you waited this long, I want 30. And he said, okay. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, if he's willing to pay me 30 now, maybe he can pay me 300 in five years. You know, I, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, just he wasn't in that traditional model of, you know, that you get a 2% raise kind of thing. So I just saw all this potential. So that's basically how I got started. And so we did self-esteem in the classroom. We taught teachers for a few years. But in that very beginning, he came back to the office one day and said, you know, all these women have been saying, do you have those stories you tell from the platform in a book? And he kept saying, no, but they're on my tapes. At the time, those were cassette tapes, St. Gil Conant, Career Track, different companies. And they said, well, we're not in cars long enough to listen to tapes. Like we have our kids, we're going from meeting to meeting, we're doing these different things. And um, so he said, you know, I think the universe is telling us to put these stories in a book. I said, okay. So we suffered through the next five years, I want to say, four years of writing one book, just a compilation of stories, which people think, oh, what an easy thing to do. You know, anybody could do that. But we didn't get published until 93. And so that was the beginning of my publishing career. And uh, that went from, we were published in 93, we hit a bestseller in 95, and we sold the company in 2008. And we had published 230 titles and basically built a billion dollar brand with licensing and, you know, all kinds of different things. So that's, that's really how the whole thing happened. It was it was a very interesting way to sort of grow up. I, I said to my parents, my dad was very upset with me at the time. He said, I cannot believe you're going to go work for a hippie. And I said, well, he did go to Harvard. Maybe I'll get a Harvard education for free. And so <laughs> that was the beginning. I love that. You answered an ad at the age of 24. And little did you know that you would be running alongside Jack Canfield creating the Chicken Soup for the Soul series that is now in every language all over the world. And for those who are listening, I know that you have read Chicken Soup for the Soul in any variety, whether you're a golfer or a teacher or a mom, like it's everywhere. And so tell us a little bit about what you learned through that experience. Oh my gosh. I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I would say to people, it was sort of like Disneyland. It's like Mr. Toad's wild ride. I learned a lot. First, I learned that you need to be really clear. I mean, we all teach that you want to have a two, you know, one year, three year, five year plan but you really, really want to have a plan that is that five-year plan. But you also, when you set these lofty goals, we had a goal to sell a million and a half in a year and a half. And I, we didn't quite make it. And we had a goal to be on the New York Times by a certain date. We were a few months later than we thought, but we did make number one in the New York Times. But what we didn't do is we didn't plan, if we were that successful, what else to think about? You know, Who do you have on your team? Who's your attorney? you know, who's doing your books, who's investing your money. Because when you start to become a little bit more well-known, a lot of people come out of the woodwork and suddenly want your business. You want people to be part of your agenda, not so much you part of theirs. And so I think that was the biggest thing that when you have clarity about where you're going, nothing gets in the way. 
And when you have something that gets as big as chicken soup, a lot of people come in and, and want to be part of it. You know, of course, which is fine. I mean, we had 500 authors that they helped us build this thing to a billion dollar brand. So it was a great thing. But you want to define who are the perfect authors? Like what, what's that avatar look like? What qualities do they have? What kind of reach do they have? All the things that we would think about today, we're trying to leverage something. I think that was my biggest lesson was really just knowing that when you have that clear path, you can't get sidetracked. You can't get derailed. That's probably the one. It's true. You know, I think it's really interesting to set a goal, but then think when that happens, what do I, not only what do I want next, but what supports do I want in place? Who are the team that's going to surround me so that it still stays you kind of pushing it forward rather than being directed by other people's intentions. And I know you were doing this in your, in your twenties and thirties and you had a family. So tell us what it looked like to balance mom life and work life at the same time. It was, it was interesting. You know, we were the, the first book finally just started to move. Like I'd been working on it from 1989 until it was published in 93 And then in 94, just when it started to kind of have a life, I got pregnant. I was like, oh my God. And I remember walking in Jack's office crying. I'm like, I'm pregnant. He said, that's great. Like it is. Because I thought he was going to freak out. Here we were. We just finally made it. Now we have to create the biggest marketing plan on the planet to go out there and do all this stuff. And he was excited. And and so I, I, I literally worked about up until three days before I had my oldest, who's 23. And then I came back about less than two weeks later. Thank God it was Christmas and New Year's because he was born on the 22nd. So I had a little bit of of leeway, but Jack's like, get back here, you know, because it was just the two of us really. And um, so at first I would bring him to the office and I had people kind of pass him around and he lived in a swing for quite a long time until he was too big to be in the swing. And I would say, if he watches The Lion King one more time, I'm sure he's going to be in therapy. Like, as he's saying, Akuna Matata, like twitching. But then from there, I decided that I would hire someone to help me. And I hired this gal who was amazing. And I had to really struggle because at first, a lot of people in that time for me, they were having a, kind of a housekeeper slash a nanny. The gal that I hired, I still literally, she was at my house last week, helping me send some of the kids things that they needed for college. So she's been around that long. And um, as much as I, I did struggle with, you know, when I'm at work, should I be at home? When I'm at home, should I be at work? You know, all those guilt feelings that we all have. But, you know, every now and then you sort of get, you have one of those defining moments in your life. And for me, I was flying on my publisher's jet and we were going to a book signing. It was my first big book. It was a New York Times bestseller. And I was feeling bad. And I thought, here I am. I've had all the success my husband's upset with me because I'm not there. He's only upset when I'm not, he's not upset when I give him my royalty check, but he's upset right now that I'm not there. I mean, to be perfectly transparent, right? And I thought, you know what? I totally have a choice right now. I can choose to buy into whatever issues he's dealing with, which, you know, later I kind of realized it really was all about how he was growing up and what he had as a mother and, and the support he didn't have on a lot of levels. And so I had to just decide, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to embrace my success. And when I'm home, I'm going to be present for my kids. And it's never going to be perfect. And there was a lot of years where I thought, am I just completely destroying my children? You know, my husband would say, well, what if they like Joni more than they like you? You know, that was our nanny, basically. 
And I lived in a pretty affluent neighborhood where most moms didn't work. So there was some judgment there too, that I was the mom that was never home kind of thing. So I had to struggle with all of that. But then at the end of the day, now that my kids are in college, they, they've reminded me over and over that, you know, mom, anybody could pick us up and take us to school. Not anybody could build what you built. And I'll never forget, we were, I was sitting in my last, um, we were, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was building a program, the Train the Trainer online program with Jack. And I'd kind of hold up at my house and I was just in the middle of this huge project and where you can't have any sort of distraction. And my son walks in, he's 15 at the time. And he says, hey, mom, I had to do this, um, this, I don't know, it's like little writing experiment today. And we had to write a 10-year out letter. And he said, you want to see it? And I didn't, we do that in our work. I'm sure you do it with your teams, right? But I had no idea that the teacher would have them do this. And he didn't know what a 10-year out letter was. I mean, I didn't really share a whole lot with the kids. And so this is after Chicken Soup sold and everything. And it says, dear mom, it's been five years since I've taken over the company. We're on all seven continents. We're doing $350 million in sales. I have a penthouse in New York where I'm running luxury retreats. I still have our house in the ranch. And someday I hope to take over as Jack's successor. And he goes into all this detail and he says, and I couldn't have done it without you. And I was like, it was right in the middle of a project when you're building a new project or you're, you're going into a new area you've not been and you think, am I crazy and drinking my own Kool-Aid? Have I lost my mind or am I on the right path? And, and on that day, I got this handwritten, scribbly, little ripped out from your notebook piece of paper. And I was like, oh my God. I picked it up. I ran in my room. I called my dad. I read it to my dad first. Then I called Jack and read it to him. And then my husband came home and he said, wow, I do all the camping, all the motorcycle trips, make all the lunches and you get the letter. <laughs> and, but the thing was I, was, I was really showing them what passion looked like. I was showing them that you can love your job and your kids. And you, you know, it was, I was a good example for what they could have if they found what they were passionate about, regardless of whatever it was, right? So, um, so yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting time, and there's harder times and less hard times. But I think as women, we have a choice, and as men, um, to either embrace what we're doing and and take advantage of those opportunities we have, and especially never ever talk negatively about that in front of the kids. You know, so if, if my husband was having an issue with something or I was, because I, I didn't want to instill beliefs in them that mom should stay home or, you know, I, I wanted them to think that anything was possible. And so um, that's kind of how I grew up. And so that's what I did. And today they're functioning, they're amazing. And they tease me because they say, you know, you were never around when we were growing up. And now you show up at our dorm rooms and our apartments and you're like the helicopter parent when we're in college, but they actually love it because I cook really good meals and buy them stuff. That's awesome. I hear you say two things. I hear you say, yeah, any, honestly, no matter who you are and where you are, most children grow up in community. They just do. Um, I know my mom was a stay-at-home yeah. mom. And so when I started with my business, there was this pull, like, should I be doing all the things my mom did? And then I realized my mom was not building a multi-million dollar organization. And, and it was okay right. to have help and to have people that also loved my children, uh, who my children also love. And it really expanded their circle. 
You know, it wasn't just mom and dad who have our back. Like they know that several people have their back and I feel like they are blessed because of that. And then I also hear you say to live in the moment, to live in the moment, because there's so many times where we are thinking, should I, could I, you know, our mind is elsewhere, but you're saying that we have a choice Mm -hmm. to, to be here at this moment right now. We always do. And it's, it's something that we both know, you and I've had the same teacher and mentor and, you know, we, every response that we have to every single thing, whether we get rejected and we get a no, I'm not interested in coming into the business or no, that proposal is not good enough or no, whatever it is. I mean, we can, we can give up, we can talk to ourselves, which we all do. I mean, let's face it. You know, I always say, if I talk to myself, if I talk to my friends the way I talk to myself, sometimes I probably wouldn't have any, you know, so we always have a little bit of that self-talk. Um, but yeah, it's true. It, it really is so important because if you don't live in the moment, you miss it. And there was so many good things happening. And I was, I was pretty lucky because I had a publisher who would call me on a daily basis and say, this doesn't happen, happen very often, save your money and journal everything and just be grateful. And, and he was really kind of a grounding force for me, which was pretty cool. That is cool. That is cool. So you guys experienced several decades of chicken soup for the soul success, and then you made a transition. Tell us a little bit about what you did after that. Well, what we did was we, you know, as, as I encourage everyone to do whenever I'm doing any kind of consulting or anything is we're always assessing the market. We're always looking at where it's going. And when we decided to sell chicken soup, it was 2008. You were noticing that there were a lot of um, Kindles and iPads were around and the bookstores were basically saying, look, you should open your own store. Like we don't have enough space for you to be in here. And there was a lot of eBooks. It was all starting to change. So we were really looking at where is the industry growing? Are we still really excited and passionate about it? Is there something next for us? Is there someone else that could take the brand where it is now and, and take it to a new level? So we had a lot of conversations because when you build something and you decide to sell it, it's kind of like giving away one of your kids. You know, it's, it's, it was a really, really tough year for us. Um, and the whole world was crashing. The market was crashing. So we, we were happy that we closed our deal. And then we closed it and we went, uh, who are we? We're no longer the chicken soup people. We have no say on any of the books. You know, we have made a bunch of money all of a sudden. And it was just a very weird time. So we needed some time to transition because it was something new for us. And so we sat around for about a year staring at each other, wondering, what do we do now? And we had always wanted to train other people to train other people. And we used to train teachers in large groups so they could go back to the classrooms and teach the kids what we were teaching, which was at the time self-esteem in the classroom, knowing that the foundation of all of our lives really starts with self-esteem and and confidence. And so... I said to Jack, well, why don't we go, why don't we come full circle and start to train trainers to do what we did? The success principles had been published in 05. Why don't we now teach them how to teach others? And, and so we did. And so we did that for about six years and it, and it worked out nicely, but we, we were very limited into how many people we could train at a time. We were in Dubai and we were, I, I was sitting in the audience and we were on a three week tour. And I remember saying to myself, actually to God, why am I here? I have heard this talk so many times. It's like year 25. 
and I am in this place and I was doing some little talks, but I hadn't really stepped into my training and teach myself. And so um, I just heard this, like this voice say, be a student. And so I just opened up a notebook along with 2000 other men in the Middle East, basically all kind of in their robes and, um, you know, which was their attire, but I was a little out of place, as you can imagine. And I just had this major download that in order to scale this kind of work, we had to create an online version and a certification. And so I just, I mean, it just, it was so fast and so quick. And I was just writing everything out. It's kind of like one of those beautiful mind moments where you just have this total clarity. And um, by the end of that trip, I was convinced that that was what was next. And so that's what we embarked on from there, going into a, a few years of doing that. And that was a really tough project for me because I, I'm not a natural teacher, or let's say I wasn't at the time. And I didn't really understand the architecture of how to build an amazing experience for people and how to make them have it be so clear that they know exactly where they're going every minute of the day when they're training. It was something that Jack had always kind of known, but it wasn't articulated in a way, even though we were training trainers, they were, most of them were teachers or they had done other things. And um, so when we did the online version, I had to really pick it apart and say, why, why? I mean, if I asked him why one more time, it was like a three-year-old. So anybody listening that has a three-year-old can just imagine, you want to say, because now just go away, you know? And, but I needed to understand the thought process behind it. So I spent a couple years creating what I found to be a very linear step-by-step program that anybody could take and teach anything that they wanted to teach. And for me, I wanted to be able to share my message, but I didn't feel confident that I could. And I thought, here I am 25 years into this business and I don't have the self-esteem to get on that stage and teach this stuff. Like what is wrong with me? But what I realized was at, because as my role at Chicken Soup, I was the president. And so even though life went on and Jack was doing keynotes and, and trainings, I was sort of busy running a schedule of sometimes 18 books a year. What I missed out on completely or just not, I didn't miss out. I chose to miss out because I would be in those training rooms and sort of half in, half out. And I realized here was this amazing teacher and I wasn't embracing it and taking advantage of it the way I should be. So that's when I really thought, all right, between this online version, I think I can do this. And I created something that was so simple. I, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And what I didn't realize was it would really take me into what was next for me as a teacher and a trainer. So it was a really difficult time in my life because I'd been in charge for so long and I had a whole team supporting me. And I was really in uncharted territory because we weren't sure you could create a certification that could actually transform lives. But I was absolutely positive if we didn't find a new way to scale this work, we were toast anyway, because not one person can run a business for a million years, which is why it's great with what you do, because you have a whole team. And we had that with Chicken Soup. We had hundreds of authors, their boots on the ground, everybody was doing promotion. Here it was one guy, and it was up to him to deliver everything. So it was time to really look at, do you want to put all your eggs in one basket where God forbid something bad happen, then what sort of thing? So we did that. And we, and there was a lot of nights, I won't lie, that I was up in my kitchen at four in the morning watching the moon set over the water in my kitchen thinking, 
have I lost it? Am I drinking my own Kool-Aid? Am I crazy? Like, because most of my team said, we don't think it's going to work. And I said, well, I feel like it came from God. It was a download. So I have to honor that. I have, I had to honor that intuitive inspiration that came from someplace other than looking at what the rest of the world's doing. And so we finished it and it's been, it's great. It's, it's been out now for about three years. We've trained about 3000 people. We're in 112 countries because of the fact that people can access it online. They don't have to come to us. And so it was, uh, you know, again, it's like every time you reinvent yourself or try something new, it's pretty scary, but it's turned out to be a great gift for me because it's really sort of taken me into the next phase of, of my life and my career. Mm, that's amazing. Ah, I'm like bursting at the seams because um, not only did the train the trainer program benefit and bless me, but it has impacted the tens of thousands of people that are on our team. So I just want to share a quick story about how I got into that because I want you to know that it was worth it. That like what you're doing <laughs> is absolutely worth it. And it truly was something from God. So I was, um, I hit the top of income spot of our company called Black Diamond in 2015. And, you know, as a cheaper personality, you're like, all right, what's next? You know, what's next? We hit the goal. Like, okay, what's next? And I heard uh, training and somebody said, you need to put a percentage of your income back into personal development. And I remember thinking, well, that's more than books and tapes because we were making, you know, good money at, and, uh, and so I thought, all right, I need to like go do something. I need something experiential. And so I started looking around at what other trainings are out there. And I really wanted something to help me be better as a leader, trainer, coach, mentor, uh, and increase my skill set and increase like my, I guess, depth of knowledge. Uh, not where I would just tell people something, but where I could really do something with them to kind of get that mental shift for them. And so I got an email from Jack and I requested information and I got a call several times. And it was just one of those things, like I said, which one should I do? And then I get this email from Jack. And of course, it's we know it's not an accident. And I got what, 40 hours of things to listen to. I listened to all of that. I got to go twice and be with you guys and really soak in your energy and your wisdom, speak on stage. And, and I've used what you guys have put together with my team for several years now. I've done visualization exercises in front of 20,000 people at conference. I've done the, you know, I've, I've, there's all these little tricks and skills that Jack has taught us that I've been able to then duplicate with our team. And so I want you to know. So thank you, Patty, for listening to that intuition, for trusting your gut and putting in the hard work because it up-leveled me and it has up-leveled our team. And it, the ripple effect is just amazing. Well, I'm glad because I'm really glad that you're able to use it in a way where you don't have to reinvent what, what I did. And I know a lot of grads, they'll call and say, oh, I'm doing this workshop or I'm doing this big thing on stage. And I'm not sure. And I always say, have you watched the modules again? Because you know, now you can go back and watch it over and over again. And um, say, no, like, don't torture yourself. It's already there. It's so simple, which is what I loved about it. You know, you could pick any piece that you wanted to teach. So thank you. And I'm glad because... <laughs> I know. Whenever, whenever I'm like, what should I do this time? I get out my big 
train the trainer binder and I look through all the different exercises and it's just been such an amazing and valuable resource for me. Good. Thank you. So my next question is you guys have been working on the success principles, the train, the trainer, but I know you've got other things up your sleeve. So what are you most excited about right now? Gosh, I think what I'm most excited about a couple of things really, but the one thing is something called goal friends. And it's something that a friend of mine coined about, gosh, seven or eight years ago. And I remember when she showed it to me, I met her at a luxury retreat we were doing at my Hawaii house. And I saw this little workbook and it said it had a high heel on it and just said goal friends. And I went, wow, that's cool. And so basically it's a, it's kind of like if you know what BNI is, um, it's sort of like a BNI. It's global. It's all around the world right now. We only have about, uh, I would say probably a hundred groups, um, but we just really started kind of pushing it about six months ago, eight months ago. And it's, it's something where you actually meet once a month. And you get together with your own little group of of people. So whether you're on a big team, but you're close enough to some people, or you just pick goal friends, we all have girlfriends, but we don't all have goal friends. And so for me, one of the things that I realized over the years when I was doing all of these retreats and seminars and different things, the people that became my closest friends were the people that I met in my workshops. And because we had a common thread, we had something where we were all working on ourselves. We were looking at taking our lives to the next level and so forth. And so when I saw this, I thought, this is so simple. And it's a $49 a year workbook. It's actually a $49 a year program. And it's a 12-month workbook. And we suggest that you have anywhere from 6 to 12 people per group. And it starts off with you creating your bucket list and what you really want. And what I love about it is that it's it's so simple. It's not too time-consuming that women are really loving it. And, and what I find, which is sad, but it's true and it's okay because we all do it. It's very rare, especially for growing a business, growing a family and doing everything else under the sun, right? That includes those titles um, is that we don't often really say to ourselves, what do we really want? You know, what do we, do we, you know, I can, and I find, if I say to you, okay, Denise, take away your husband your kids and your team and your work. What do you really want? Now you've been in this business for a while, so you get it. But a lot of people kind of stare at you like, you know, they they just have seen like a three-headed monster, which is fine because we don't often take the time to decide what do we want? Like it, it's not about well what makes sense or what we think we can achieve. If we could have anything on the planet, what would it be? And so it starts with that, with this cool little meeting. And the company used it when it first came out was, um, it was called Wednesdays with women and wine. And it was really kind of an excuse to get together and hang out with like minded women and kind of talk about your goals and share your wins and have wine and whatever else. And then my partners decided that not everybody drank wine. So she probably should rename it. And she is really cool with all with her words. We have like the philosophy of girlfriends. If you don't like something, give it a golectomy. You know, it's it's golicious. If it's something, I mean, we just get crazy with these fun words. But again, it's really really simple. And what I love about it, it's not something where you have to go invest a gazillion dollars and then hope you're good enough because every month a different person in your group runs the meeting. So everybody is on the even playing field. They each get to be empowered and inspired to run a meeting. 
all the information's there to do it. It's real simple. Um, but it gives them a voice that maybe they've been wanting to have, but haven't really had the courage to have. And so by doing that, there's not a whole lot of comparison happening. So they get to not feel like they're not as good as the guru. And I really think that we're in a place in the world right now, obviously, where women are showing up more. Um, I mean, the the stats for who's going to be, you know, running in politics in the next five years is going to be like very equal for the first time ever. Um, But I think it's time for people to share their voices, especially women. And if they have the desire to inspire other people or share something, it gives them a nice, easy way to sort of get more involved. You know, you know, because you've been running these kinds of parties your whole life for the yeah. most part. Is it, would you say it's kind of like a mastermind group? It's kind of like a mastermind group. It's interesting. It's different though, because a mastermind group gets together and we talk about what your individual interests are and we're, we're there to support you in achieving your goals. But this feels different. Like one example I can give you is I bought a house in Nashville about a year and a half ago. And I was so busy um, living in Santa Barbara and running around. It was a really, really crazy year from trainings and traveling. And one of the gals that is a girlfriend in Raleigh, North Carolina said, well, she's like 68, beautiful. She's like, well, you know, y'all, I'm an interior designer and I could just go do it for you. And my house was decorated in a week. You know, I mean, not a week. She had to order everything. But when, the next time I showed up there, it was done. And so I, I say girlfriends are the friends that show up when no one else does. I mean, it, there's, it's like a sorority meets a mastermind. It's just something really cool. Um, I'm really, and it's mass market. So it's easy for people to do. Um, I feel like it's sort of the next chicken soup in a lot of ways for me. I'm excited about it. I'm really excited. That is really exciting. I've been in an active mastermind since I did the train the trainer program. And we meet two plus times a month. And I can say it's because of the mastermind that I created a workbook and started the podcast and actually put feet on the ground with all of these dreams that I have had because I have the accountability of others who are also excited about similar work. And it sounds like the goal friends takes it to a whole nother level. You know, it just it's deeper and you're really deep friends that are doing life together. Yeah, it's kind of like we're all on this journey together, sort of stepping into our greatness. Some of, you know, if we're 25, we're in a different place than we're 55. But when you have access to a global community, not just your own group, but others as well, it's it's inspiring. So I think it's more of an emotionally supportive group more than it is a business strategy sort of group. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I have a few more questions for you regarding your entrepreneurial journey. What would you say has been the biggest hurdle or maybe the hardest? uh, I'm sure there's been lots throughout your career, but maybe just like a a hard thing that you had to overcome. Uh, Me. (laughs) The one thing that gets in the way of all of us is ourselves. I think the biggest hurdle for anyone, and it has been for me, is that uh, first, as a woman, you, there's still a little bit of this, you know, inequity, inequality kind of thing. Even though I work with the most conscious guy on the planet, um, I think for me, I've had to really learn to ask for what I want and what I'm worth and uh, ask for support when I need it. 
you know, I've always, I've, I've championed America's number one success coach his whole life. And to then turn it around and step into my own greatness and ask him to support me back has probably been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, um, you know, and, and it's, I think too, we, we compare ourselves to other people so often. And I always say to people, if you want to compare yourself to Jack Canfield, I would not recommend it. It's not a good self-esteem exercise. And so having him as a partner has been a blessing and a curse because it's really hard to match up to him in some of the areas where he's just incredibly amazing. Um, but I also had to realize that I was my own person and, and I had to show up as who I was too. And so I would say um, really owning your, owning your greatness and asking and, and, and really making it a little bit about you, you know, making it about us. That's been a hard thing for me. Well, they always say the biggest transformation in anybody's life truly happens between the two ears. You know, when you change the way you think and the way you view yourself and you take 100% responsibility for that. And you're like, well, if I want something different, I have to do something different. And you get to own it and then step into that power. Uh, I can imagine that you have blossomed over the past few years with creating this train the trainer and then stepping on the stage yourself. Yeah, it's been an interesting time. It feels like mock speed. And at the same time, you have to go, wait a second, I've been teaching this forever. And, but, but it's, you know, and we, and I could beat myself up over that. But the more awareness we have as we grow into this stuff, the, the more we get that the shorter time that we're off that track. So, okay, yeah, I can have that thought, but get back on track. Um, but yeah, I had to change my response. It had to be, hey, by the way, can you help me? Will you be on my podcast? Will you promote? Will you give me a testimonial? I mean, it was weird, you know. And um, and it and it, I'm a good asker. I can ask for anything. It's what I've been taught to do. Um, but when you ask for yourself, it's a whole different ball game, as as you know. That is interesting to think about. Um, it's always easier to kind of on somebody else's behalf. They want me to ask, but when it's for you, there's a bit more vulnerability there. Yeah. It's no longer arm's length. You know, I'll yeah. say, I will ask for anything for Jack. Like I'll ask so much that I'll embarrass him. And, and, but I, now I get it. So it's, it's also come full circle in a way that's really interesting. Cause now I can say, Oh, I get now why you freak out on that. So there's this relativeness to it and a coming full circle that I have more compassion for some of his moments of no, you know, don't do it. And, um, but it's been a good thing too, because then I can recognize it in me much more quickly. And then I can choose to get out of my way more quickly because I could see where he would get in his way and I'd have to kind of prod him and poke him to do it because, you know, I mean, whenever we're talking about ourselves, unless we're, you know, unless we have a really big ego, it's hard to do. So it's a great thing. And it's, you know, it's an asset and a liability, right? Yeah. Most, most things can be right. Yeah. No kidding. Um, (laughs) So what would you say has been a big shifter, maybe aha moment, blessing, something that really catapulted you to the next level? I think, gosh, just taking in moments that people give me the testimonials, just really owning what everybody else has been telling me for so long that I just was ignoring. And, you know, everybody gets compliments, right? And then we say, oh, that's nice, but, or whatever it is. I had to really, I had to say, okay, maybe this is true. 
what am I going to do with it? And, and again, it's like anything, it's like driving a car, it's riding a bike for the first time. It's always really awkward, even though it looks like I've been doing it for so long. Again, it's that personal side that is, uh, is interesting. So embracing yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. That honestly was probably one of my biggest aha moments on my It Works career journey was when I was like, oh, I can be good at this. Oh, I could do this myself. You know, it's very easy to say, well, good for you. You mm-hmm. can do it. Mm-hmm. But when I was like, oh, me? And, and that there were several moments where I thought, oh, I am good at this. And so that internal realization that I already had everything I needed truly did allow me to become who I was supposed to be too. And it's exciting to see that. I mean, you had it all along. You were doing it all along. And well, now we you're all have it. Bodying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we exactly. all have it, which is like, okay, all these years I'm, yeah, it's crazy, but we all, it's, it, it's within us, which I think mm-hmm. is what's so great about what you're doing and what so many other women are doing. It's not, we're not, we don't need to look outside of ourselves for somebody else to be, to give us the approval. We have to give ourselves approval. We can always learn just like you learned a lot at train the trainer. I mean, I always encourage people to keep learning, but at the end of the day, you have everything you need inside you. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I love that. That's true. Okay. So a couple more questions. What is some advice that you would share with those who are also wanting to make a change or maybe they want to reinvent themselves or step into their next path? What would you say to them? I would say start, you know, just do it. Um, I, I know a lot of people that want everything to be perfect before they do that. There is no perfect. We're constantly evolving. You're constantly changing your content. I'm sure what your workbooks look like, your podcast, it's the same thing. You just have to start again. If I was teaching you how to ride a bike and I, and I told you how to ride one until you were 20, you'd be scared to death to get on the bike. And you'd be comparing yourself to everybody else that's on the bike. But if I put you on the bike and just cheer you along, you're riding the bike in a day. And so it's just, you've got to lean into it. And then, and then you have to also look at, you know, where your weaknesses are, where your strengths are, and don't try to be all those things. You know, I think for so many of us, we, we go to school and we have to get an A in every, in every subject. That's not the case here. Take a look at what you're good at. Do some personality assessments and different quizzes and things. You know, look, really look at where you're strong and then look at where you might need help. And a lot of people, when they're starting out, say, well, I can't really afford that. And I understand because we couldn't afford to pay our rent when we started Chicken Soup. So I get it. But then the next thing I would say, then ask yourself, if, if you don't know something, who do you know that does? So that's a big mantra of mine. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And then who can you barter with? Like where, where are you, do you have strengths that you could maybe barter with someone else that has weaknesses? And I still do that today. I mean, I have a, different people that I turn to that I know could do something that would take me a week and two hours. And I don't care if I have to go grocery shopping for them. If I'm going to get this done that much more quickly, I still have the rest of the week, even if I do their marketing, which I don't even do for myself. But you know, it's like you just do what you need to do to get it done. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what is one thing that you do every day that you couldn't live without? Gosh, one thing that I do every day that I couldn't live without. Wake up, uh, have coffee, 
spend almost an hour every morning in my bed on my phone talking to the major key players in my business, whether it's my assistant who basically runs my entire universe or my partner in Raleigh or Jack or my CEO. Um, I try to do everything that I have to do in that first hour when I wake up, just like get those things done. I think if we put things off, then they don't always happen. So I try to look at what has to happen immediately and make those make those calls first. That's what I do. And and then if I'm lucky, I do a meditation, um, which I don't do every day. And I know I should. And I teach that. Take my advice. I'm not using it. I promise you, if you do do that and you're growing something, the growth will happen much more effortlessly and easily because it's the one thing that I think is probably the defining difference for people that are successful effortlessly versus those who aren't. Yeah, Tim Ferriss wrote a book and it was one of his success books. I don't know. He's got several now, but one, one of the things he said is that one common denominator between those who are at living high intensity peak lives was they all meditated. Yeah. There was a, there was a company. I remember when we were in, um, we were building chicken soup for the soul. They, they had a, there's a, a company called readings fund at a Fairfield, Iowa and these two guys built this business from nothing to hundreds of millions so quickly. They were meditators. And a lot of my authors were. And the ones that were got a lot more done, were much more focused, were much more grounded. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing. And the second biggest thing is you know, our nutrition. I, mean, I know when I'm doing my green drinks and my wheatgrass shots and all that crazy stuff, I have so much more focus and energy. And I think the older I get, the more I know that I have to be that part too. You can't do at, at 25, at, at, at 50, it just doesn't fly. So that would be the only other thing that I would say is a real huge piece of the puzzle. And you know that when you start to really do it, and you know, you're in that business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, a couple of things, you guys, if you heard her say she does what she has to do first, uh, that's a eat that frog. If you've never read that book, read that. That's an amazing time management book, but do what you have to do first, get it out of the way. And then when things pop up, you're not, dis- you're not taking away from the things that, that needed to get done. That's an awesome tip. And then meditating. And then honestly, nutrition really does impact all aspects of our lives. Very nice. Is there anything that you want to mention? We'll, we'll share your links next, but is there anything that you want to mention that is kind of burning in your belly? You know, just, I mean, if you're listening to this and you are considering doing anything, if there's anything at all that's been sort of gnawing at you that you wanted to be, but been way too scared to do, just do it. I mean, the worst thing is that you're going to wake up one day and wish you had. And I just, I so encourage people and find somebody that if you're not in a mastermind group, if you don't have an accountability partner, find that one person that will totally support you. I feel that we are really coming into a new space in the world where it's, I call it the no judgment zone. And it, and you need to have someone that's around you that appreciates you no matter what, your differences, your strengths, your weaknesses, and doesn't let you quit when they know that you're worth it. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how can we learn more about Goal Friends and connect with you further? Well, you can go to pattyaubrey.com, which is A-U-B-E-R-Y, not R-E-Y, it's E-R-Y. And you can also go to goalfriends.com and check that out. And um, and lastly, you can go to Ambassador, which is A-M-B-A-S-S-A-D-E. 
capital H E R.com, which is a new kind of cool community um, that I'm the new advisor for. Yeah. Awesome. But other than that, you can study and you can learn and you can listen to Denise's podcast <laughs> and make sure you take in everything that she says, because if you do this work, it works. It does. It does. Every time it does. Oh, I have a friend, a girlfriend. She called yesterday and she said, I put this on my vision board. And I introduced her to this guy who's a, he has this business leadership council. And, and she said he was like her dream person. She said, I never thought I would even ever get to meet him. And I make one request and you literally shoot me a text and an introduction and a cell phone number. So that's the other thing. You have to share your dreams with people and your goals. Because we can't help you if you don't ask. That's definitely something I learned from you guys as well. So thank you so much, Patty, for sharing your wisdom. You have decades of experience and personal knowledge and just you have not just created something successful one time. You've done it over and over and over and over again. And as we know, there's no finish line. And it's truly about the journey and about who you become in the process. So you just radiate this energy and this love. And I just love being around you. So thank you so much for sharing with our listeners today. We are blessed because of it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. Head over to denisewalsh.com. Enter your email to subscribe to our list. And I'll be sending out an early bird special coupon. 50% off, in fact, of the Dream Life Workbook when it is launched in just a few months. So if you want to have first dibs, let's get your name on that list. Thanks again. I so appreciate you. And remember to dream big. 